Hey guys, it's Nick here, your DM for Campaign 2 of Character Arcana. I just wanted to take a moment to tell you guys about our new Patreon account. Um, if you love what we're doing and you'd love to help support us, get some bonus episodes and some behind-the-scenes content, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash character arc. That's patreon.com slash character A-R-K. Thank you guys, and we can't wait to see you there. Ahoy hoy! Welcome aboard the Character Arc Podcast, where we discuss story elements to movies we just watched. We put a special emphasis on character as we break down things we liked, didn't like, and provide changes as if we were the ones making the movie. Let's get started. Hello guys, I am the protagonist. Oh, don't even... <laughs> And I'm the antagonist. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot to say, so let's just get into it. Um, we watched Tenet. All I have for you is a word. Tenet. It'll open the right doors. Some of the wrong ones, too. Use it carefully. Talk about plot? Yeah. Summary. Um, what happened in this movie, Richard? Or protagonist, I'm sorry. Okay, so uh, this movie opens up on CIA agent, the protagonist. Yep. He is without a name. <laughs> Played by John David Washington. And he calls himself the protagonist. <laughs> Played very well by John David Washington, I would say. Also, Robert Pattinson, uh, Kenneth Branagh, everyone. All The entire cast does a really good job. The movie looks really great. This is a really sharp filmmaking. I wanted to put that up front because we're going to tear into this movie because the movie's not good. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> but everything, all the trimmings are good. Right. <laughs> He's a CIA agent. Uh, he has a mission to extract someone who's undercover at an orchestra. Yep. And shit goes a little sideways. He gets captured by the antagonists. Um, <laughs> and he is interrogated. He, t he bites down a pill that's supposed to kill him. He is revived by this secret organization. Secret, secret. secret yes. Um, and then we globe trot for an unnecessarily long amount of time um, so that we can unlock piece by piece. Something is secret. Let's go to Mumbai. Something is secret. Let's go to South America. Something is secret. Let's go to the middle of the ocean. Something is secret. Let's go. And then to Vietnam. Anyway, after you sit there for 30 minutes knowing full damn well it's time travel because you saw a trailer and there's no way you were ever going to market this movie without that being known. Why? <laughs> <laughs> so maybe your movie can just acknowledge that. <clears throat> anyway, he pieces together an unnecessary plot about a forged piece of art, um, encounters a woman who her son, um, her son is being held hostage by his father. Not exactly, but like he's he's threatening to keep the son from this woman. Cat. Anyway, an unnecessarily sort of long plot regarding a piece of forged art leads him to someone who's who he thinks is smuggling nuclear arms. Red but hair. what that person is actually doing is has some piecing together an algorithm which can send items and people in reverse time. And so from there, they are going to try to get the last piece of this algorithm, which they more or less fail to do. And so what they then do... Actually, they kind of failed to do, but then they're told the real plan is to let him get the last piece so that they know where all eight pieces are so that they can take all eight pieces and then scatter them, which I will note, that was how they were, that's how they were found in the first place is that someone got them all and scattered them. So they're literally just doing it again. Right. Instead of coming up with some other plan, 
like destroying them. Did they say why they couldn't destroy them? Was that ever brought up? It was very haphazard. Was it was it waved up. away? Yeah, it was just like just don't even try to understand it. <laughs> um, yes, don't even try to understand it is exactly what the movie tells you when explaining how things move backwards in time, which is not a concept that that's hard to understand, and I don't think the movie does a terrible job. Like, if you told me things move backwards in time, I would say, by the way, that is more or less the end of the movie, right? Yeah. They, they go, they do a temporal pincer attack. <laughs> you did want to preface something about the movie. Yes, we're going to often say that things don't make sense in this movie. I want to make it clear, I did watch the movie twice. I did not not understand it any more or less either time, not because I don't understand. The plot is kind of what I just said. It's not that complicated, nor is it complicated right. to understand that things move backwards mm. in time, yeah. nor is it complicated... It's not even complicated to understand when the scenes are, like, going over each other, when they're moving both forward and backward at the same time. Those, These concepts are not what's the problem. They're not super complicated. However, the it problem, does end up becoming complicated. Right. The problem is that they throw all of these... Like, the actual mechanics of it don't work. The discrepancies and the, not inaccuracies, but... The way that they move backward in time and interact with things right. doesn't fit, doesn't work, doesn't make any sense. There would be a bunch of things that wouldn't work out the way you see them on screen right. if we were to believe the premise that they gave. And it's kind of hard, you know, with movies, there's a part where you suspend your disbelief, but there's kind of something where you see it happen, you, you're like, okay, I guess, but, you know, deep down, there's something wrong with the very concept of it. And I will argue that this movie would be much better if it tried to explain less. Right. Because one of the reasons why it frustrated me watching these things not work out is because the movie tries so hard to make you believe it's super serious and it, and it really, this is really like high concept. Mm-hmm. When this is a silly science fiction action movie and if it played that way, I wouldn't care. Right. But well, I care because Christopher Nolan is like, look how smart I am. I think there's a scene that really encapsulates that exact idea and it's where the protagonist meets the scientist and she tries to explain she goes through this long-winded explanation only to finish it with don't even try to understand it right why would you even then explain it and then there's exactly like that and that also that makes me being like well now i know that you can't explain it to me so now i'm like what are we doing here? Whereas right. if you just, whereas if, if she literally didn't say that line, but that scene were exactly the same, you, the audience member, would be would just be along for the ride. Yeah. And then also there's a scene later with um, Robert Pattinson's character, Neil, and John David Washington's, I'm, I'm going to call him John. I'm not calling him the protagonist because fuck you, Christopher Nolan. <laughs> you fucking 13-year-old boy. See, um, that's, <laughs> that, that was the very comment I said because the whole idea, this whole heist idea where, look, what if time could move backwards? The whole time we were watching it, I was like, this feels like, when Christopher Nolan was 13 years old and he's like, I want to make this movie, he wrote a script and he pretty much took word for word from that script and applied it here with whatever. And I and we both agree. Now. I want to get back to that scene, but I think we both agree though that the concept is like the scenes, like once they do it, once they reverse, once they start moving in reverse yeah, time, it's, it's cool. Like yeah. it's really fucking cool. It just should have been a 90 minute movie about like one event. And let us like double back exactly yeah. and have fun with it because it looks super awesome and it's a neat concept. But Christopher Nolan had to be this pompous ass about it, kind of. Very pompous. <laughs> um, and so, but there's a scene with where uh, Neil talks to John and John has all these questions now that he's, now that he's gone through the turnstile and is moving backwards right. through mm-hmm. time. And every single answer to those questions is, I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's a paradox. There's no, There's no answer. Yeah. It's unknowable. Those are his all of his answers. And it's like, 
okay, then movie, stop asking the questions. Don't ask the questions. Because I won't ask the questions. If this is just a fun action movie, I won't ask the questions. But you're making me ask them. It's like, this again brings up the idea of like, just because you're aware of certain problems in your movie... Yeah, okay, you're aware of it, but that really doesn't get you anywhere. It's just, right. it highlights your problems, what ends you, up being the case. You calling out that you're, you, you being like, oh, sorry, I guess I'm racist, doesn't excuse the fact that you're racist. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get into too much I, by the way, of I'm the not saying this movie is in any way racist. Oh, that yeah, was just an example of how, like, just because you say something out loud doesn't excuse the fact that it's still there. It's like when you're at work and you say, oh, you know, I'm prone to mistakes. Doesn't mean you, should just, you are excused from your mistakes. <laughs> right. You have to improve from your mistakes. Anyway, so let's let's go to the plot first. Let's talk about the actual story before we get into those mechanics because we yes. do have a lot to say we about that. We will pinpoint exact ways that it, it doesn't make sense. Even if you've watched videos and stuff about how it does make sense, we're going to point out some things that, that aren't consistent, but right. we're going to go to character and story first. Right. So in that, so as I said, with like it being like a 13-year-old coming up with this concept because the very plot itself is very basic. Um, like there's no very, even like the villain himself, Andre, his motivation for any sort of, for the reason for ending the world is very simplistic. It's, and it's, if I can't have my wife, no one can, but in like in a laughable villainous way, I'm just going to destroy the world. Right. His actual plan is to literally end all of existence because because we're to believe, like, if I like, as you said, he says that to his wife at one point. If I can't have you, no one can. Now that is something that like toxic people do toxic, think sometimes, yes, very much so. But that that does not just easily extrapolate to all of existence. You yeah. can't like just because a toxic person might feel that way about a, a romantic interest mm-hmm. doesn't mean that they would feel that way about all of existence and time. For one, does he have no like? He's still the father of a child. Yeah, and <laughs> let me add to that because. So if he has such an obsession with his possessions, right? Things that he, you know, quote unquote, own like his wife, right? That's the way he sees it. There should be more indications because if just just ride with it, right? If he's if you're gonna have a villain like that up to that extreme, well, that, that, then you yeah. might as well just well that's make him in that, all facets. Yeah, I mean, my, my honest belief is that the plot of this film, it's a B-movie. Yeah. It is a, a sci-fi original B-movie. And Jerry it would, Seinfeld? It would be a great one of those. Like, it's, With Jerry Seinfeld? What, I don't... B-movie? No, never mind. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you made it silly and fun the way that Tomorrow Never Dies... Not Tomorrow Never Dies. If you made it silly and fun like Die Another Day is... There you go. Like, yeah, this would actually be... This would actually be a really fun movie. Yeah. But it, it's... But it's also not Nolan-esque, it's, it's, I guess. And that's the problem, is Nolan couldn't get out of his own way. Because this he told a story in a way that that is not the story. Like Part of being a good director is knowing what your story is and servicing it. And he didn't do that. He made a movie like he makes movies, but without, like a, the, without the core. This is, yeah, this is a schlocky sci-fi action film, but he tried to pretend like this villain who you're describing is someone imposing and... And like interesting, yeah. But he's not. He's a cartoon character. He's he's literally the cartoon character on the Saturday morning cartoon show who goes, "I'm going to destroy the world," which Why? serves no one. Yeah. Which even the the very premise of the movie has the same problem, which is that people are sending it back. People are trying to get the algorithm from the future, and they don't care if the past ends or whatever the fuck. I you know because that's also in that scene with John and Neil is that he says that. 
people in the future don't, they think that you can just do the grandfather paradox thing and it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But also, what do they gain? What do the people in the future gain by, by inverting time? Do yeah. they gain money? Do they gain power? How? Do they gain... What, what is the reason? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's the problem. Yeah, no, There I is agree. no yeah. reason to do this. But for some reason, there's this unknown enemy. Like, this is not talking about the villain, uh, right. the actual antagonist of the film. We're just talking but about anybody the, if they had control of this ability or this, we're to this believe technology. Because we're to believe that people are seeking it from the future because they're the ones sending the, mm-hmm. the items back. And so, which not, not the algorithm. The algorithm was sent back to hide it. But this other organization that Neil references, or these other group of people, this cabal, right. um, <laughs> they sent other items back because they want time to, con- to converge and like go backwards. But but it has to benefit someone. That that's the that's the the call of a good antagonist is that you kind of see their point and you disagree with their methods or you disagree with their their methods really yeah, that's just, it, yeah, yeah. it's but, really but you should you should be able to disagree with them but actually feel like they have they have a good stand they 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 stand on something yes yeah there's a reason because then they're a real person that and that ups the stakes that makes the conflict between the protagonist and the antagonist feel like something that you are invested in because they are they are recognizable things that mirror your own life or your knowledge of like the human struggle. Right. And instead he is, he is a, he is a one sentence. A one note kind of. Yeah. 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 No, I agree. So, and that's where I feel like I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of like character webs where like different characters kind of like have different shades or they're the foil um, in which there really isn't much anything between specifically the protagonist and the antagonist. There's no direct conflict for them. It's not like he is seeking this thing to. They're not foils to each other. They're not complementary to each other. Right. They they're just people. They're it's it's so it's so cold and dry and business transaction. Exactly. The entire film is. And that's why I that's why I attribute it to being like a thirteen year old boy, just like oh these are great ideas, but then not understanding the core elements of a story. So like if we okay let's let's kind of look at the other characters. So let's look at his wife Cat, right? Yeah. Who is just incessantly only talking about her son. Like she's a, also a one note one note right. character because I mean yeah, it's a it's a it's a noble motivation it's to a, be like I want my son to be in a good place and not be held hostage by the father, right? It is at least a real motivation. It is a, yeah. But but it is so flat in this every film. line anytime she appears it's just her son. There's nothing about her and there should be Yes. And to some degree, right? Yes. Also, let's... I mean, if you want us to care about her family, then I, I would like to see her with her son. I know that we do from a distance in one shot. Right. But I mean, like, show her connection to her son, and then we'll feel it. You don't have to keep telling and get us. get pulled away from it? Yeah. Because that been, that's yeah. the problem, is that oh, she, so she has to keep reminding us she has a son, and these are the stakes, because the movie never shows us it. And that is the cornerstone of filmmaking, right. which is that you show people like it is a visual medium. So, right, like you could have scenes where she's with you know uh, Kenneth Branagh's character, and she, her son's around, and you see like how he's a bad influence on her son. How you know she tries to escape instead of showing her trying to kill him a thousand times, show her trying to protect her son. There instead, you go. Yeah, sheltering him from the violence and stuff like that. And in that interaction, he could you could see how much of a villain he is because she's just she's so repetitive throughout the film. Yeah, because it's like Christopher Nolan literally just checked a box. He was like, 
She has a she she technically has a motivation. Mm-hmm. And then from there on, her character is telling you over and over again what her motivation is, every fucking line, mm-hmm. and then trying to kill him three fucking times. Yeah. It's like <laughs> it becomes like laughable at a certain point where you're like, she's just gonna keep doing this? Like it's it's almost like these scenes are become parodies of themselves. Because we've already seen this exact scene before, yeah. and we know what her conflict is. That's, but you're not making us feel it just because you keep telling us it. Right. I think another thing is like having that that sort of the stakes dangled in front of her. Right. Mm-hmm. He's kind of off to the side most of the time, and yeah, okay, that that does kind of make sense. But I'm sure you could find some way to write it in to where she could have saved him, like from his clutches in some form. I don't know. Well, you could use your time better. Like he uses like Christopher Nolan spends so much time in this plot getting like going to the first the beginning part of this film. Yeah. Getting us having us like globe trot around to get the information of where the of, which is very extraneous. Where it's Seder just, is and that's all pointless. Like, it what, is pointless. What is the point of the 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 art plot line i know that the technical point of the art plot line was to get is to, to her. get to her and then it kind of reveals in a very inorganic way her yeah. problem with her husband because literally they're sitting at a table having just met and she go she starts to like practically cry talking about her her fucking vacation with her husband and how she tried to get out and there is there's no one would do that so you would be like no you're a fucking stranger <laughs> So that's that's where I feel like Nolan, he's technically, he hits all the beats. It's like a very save the cat kind of movie, right? I think you're hitting it on the head, which is that this is someone who understands film as a formula as opposed to <laughs> art is about making you feel something. What? And that is all art, all art, movies, books, television, uh, music, poetry, Visual art, like paintings and drawing, all of it is to make us feel something. And he knows all the things that technically are good storytelling. I did air quotes right there. Which is to say that everything is cause and effect. Mm -hmm. Um, There is something at stake. The protagonist is always moving forward. These things he hits, but they are soulless. They are, and some of them are the focus in the wrong place. Because we we do, he keeps doing the, like, uh, set up and pay off. Mm -hmm. He's very good at that. He does it in this movie a thousand times, but at times when it's like, but did we need to set that up or pay that off? Because it was it was pointless. It was like it was extraneous, like you said. Like yeah, like when he goes um, as he's globe trotting and he meets Michael Caine's character, and Michael Caine's character brings up, oh, you're not, you know, I'm I'm paraphrasing it because the scene's already unnecessary, so I don't want to walk through the actual dialogue. But anyway, mm-hmm. Michael Caine essentially says, hey, you can't dress that way and and fit in with billionaires. And so he goes, and then when he meets her, she's like, you don't look like, like, you have the suit and the watch and stuff, but you're not, you don't fit in with billionaires. And it's like... So then what's so the then, point? So yeah. why did the last scene exist at all? It didn't need I, to, honestly. The, it, it did that. That scene did that and told him where to get the painting. Here's the thing. What if when he was talking to Priya, what if she was just like, that woman? There you go. That... Get us fucking there, yeah. Because that this and she could comment on his uh, his suit or his lack of right. a suit, just what he should. Michael Caine is in one scene in this movie, and it's it it serves a purpose only in that Christopher Nolan forces it to. It's it doesn't almost, have to be there. Can I can I 
allude back to the whole 13 year old thing. It's like having your friend yes. say, Hey, can I be in your movie? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's, I have uh, no doubt that's what you it is. You can just explain this part here. That's almost certainly what it is because uh, Christopher Nolan's history of Michael Caine. He loves Caine. Michael Caine. He likes cocaine. And the same thing happened like later in the film when Cat's getting ready to kill Andre. And for like a good several shots before that happens, she like unclips the thing so that he can be pulled off the boat. She she's puts um, sunscreen, sunscreen on the floor and and on his back so that she can drag him off. Like this stuff happens just excessive amounts before. Anyway, yeah, and it's like, why did we have all those shots of her prepping to drag him off the boat? She could have just dragged him off the boat. I know that like realistically, she would have struggled maybe because he's like significantly bigger than she is. But I don't care. Your movie doesn't make sense. Anyway. That's the logic. <laughs> That's the logic you want us to focus on? Like, this is where I'm going. Like, he doesn't know what story he's telling. This, yeah. this is yeah. a movie that shouldn't <clears throat> be concerned with that. He, this is where he's like, I have to be real smart about it. I have to. I have this because this is a really smart movie. This is, this is Christopher Nolan. Just, I have to be super smart. But it's not. It's not a smart movie. No. It, it could be a really fun movie, but it's not a smart movie. Yeah. So let's hit the the last part of this, which is the protagonist. What does the protagonist want? To save the world. To save the world, which the, is a very cliche is, kind of thing. It is literally... No one wants to die. Okay, yes, that's a universal right. desire, but there's nothing personal to him. There's nothing. And I, yeah. I, there's really, like... I don't know. There's like a million ways you could have done it. Like, like the team he the lost. The team, yes, exactly. Maybe, I was just about to make that point. Maybe Seder, maybe he knows that Seder is related to, or Andre, um, uh-huh. is, his name is Andre Seder, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe he knows that Andre is responsible for the deaths of, or was the one who tortured him or something, which I think there's, yes. there is, there is a relation there, vaguely in the background, but, but like, draw in that personal connection where he wants revenge against that guy specifically. specifically. Yes. And there you go. Now you've made it very personal because mm-hmm. there is no personable, there's no personal push, right? For him to go through these actions apart from a very dutiful kind of thing. Right. right? He's a and, very good boy. Yeah. And that's what it is. <laughs> there's no, like, I know they try to, I, I know we haven't really touched on Neil. I actually, um, so, you know, I watched the movie. I also did some research on the whole like entropy thing and, and also uh, hearing what other people have said, uh, I would like to get to Neil in a bit, but Neil tries to add this sort of mystery to himself and to the protagonist. Like, and it's ridiculous to me because the protagonist should stand on his own two legs, but there really isn't. Like, he goes through these motions. Like, we are just, what's the what's the term? Where well, the, <clears throat> the main character is a blank canvas kind of a thing. Yeah, he's a cipher. Cipher. I, I, and I think, I think this movie is a legitimate use of a cipher because it's like the, like, I think that's okay. I think that Neil being the more, more under, he has a, he has a better oh, understanding fine. of how this world works. Because it's kind of like the Matrix where... Um, Neo has to be someone who doesn't understand this world because someone has to explain this world to the audience. Yeah. And the only way that doesn't suck for the audience is if it's legitimately being explained to a character. Right, but you'll find that this movie fails to do that. Well, yeah. I mean, because the movie doesn't make any sense. Like, there are parts where they explain (laughs) things to each other and ask certain questions that you... Very plot-wise, it makes sense for them to ask to kind of explain, but then on a personal level or even through an audience level... There's really no need for that question to be asked. Yes. There's no organic way for us to arrive at that question. Particularly also because most of Neil... Neil does a good job of explaining what problems are, but when asked questions about 
how it works or what solutions are. He's very good at also saying, I don't know. It's unknowable. Um, it's a paradox. I don't. Right. <laughs> he has, but, he's good at not answering. These so questions. that and that ugh, that's such a problem with this movie. The scientist says, don't even try to understand it. A scientist. Right. Who's. Very purpose is to understand this and be able to this like the whole Richard Feynman kind of thing. You should be able to explain it and its basic mm-hmm. concept, or even use whatever analogies to service that explanation. And it's but a, there's none of that. And it's again, we're, for anyone who's thinking like, "Hey, you got to suspend your disbelief." Like, I have no problem with that. It's more that this movie keeps asking you to take it super seriously. Yeah, it's that this movie keeps telling you that it. Like in every way that it's written and acted and played out, and the way that it takes so long to get to to try to kind of explain or whatever, is that it wants you to take this very seriously. And if it just didn't, if the scientists just didn't say half the shit and Neil didn't say half the shit that they say, then you'd be like, "Cool, I'm movie, watching Time Cop," <laughs> which is essentially <laughs> the same idea because the very the very concept of like don't bump into your other self, even though they touch each other a lot. Where the protagonist touches himself in many ways. Not, and not skin flips. to skin, though. Yeah, I know. But anyways, same idea. It's like they're talking about whatever molecules or whatever that can't come in contact, right? Right. So little particles on your clothing from your hands, skin cells, whatever. Anyway, that's thinking too much into it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, still very same uh, result or consequence in Time Cop, right? Before we get too far, because I think we, we're going to start talking about all that stuff. Yeah, Before we jump too far, that. but just to put a cap on the plot in the antagonist-protagonist thing is that the core of this movie like is super good boy versus super evil guy, and their only motivations are, I want to save the world, and I want to destroy, destroy the world. Like The villain is essentially Sauron. Yeah. Like, he has no more depth of character than Sauron does. Although I would argue in Lord of the Rings' favor... Frodo has more depth than the protagonist in this movie does than John does because yes, Frodo sets out to save the world, but Frodo wants to save the world for reasons. He meets all of these people yeah. and becomes deeply fond of them in like his friendship with Sam. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's the parallels with, uh, Gollum, how he sees his fate if he keeps down this path, like right. the twisted nature of his task at hand. Um, you know, what if we had, what if our protagonist had like an existential crisis while he was doing this yep. and didn't know if he actually wanted to do it or not because it was, he was running around in too many time loops, which right. we'll talk about how many time loops are in this fucking movie that don't, that, that would just break the fucking fabric of time. Before we do get into the time <laughs> loops, I do want to say one thing that was a, so it's a fan theory. I don't know, fan theory, an audience theory. And, and I think this would have been Were a really... Were you implying this movie has no fans? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's why I had to double back. Um, but there's a, there's a theory out there where Max is Neil, which, if that were the case, that would have tied the movie a little bit more personally. If the protagonist was more involved. Like, if you wanted to have more of a heart to this story, because... You know, Kat wants to save her son, and whatever reason that you can associate with the two. Okay. Do you see? Okay, because I mean, that could or uh, nothing about the movie disproves that or right. proves it. I don't think that that being true is anything other than. Well, I don't think that helps the movie in any way. It not, could not as written, right. written a little bit differently. Sure, if written more differently, I think it would because it would have it would have been more concise in the storytelling. 
like for example, uh, so this is the theory that uh, Neil is Max. It's that um, because what is it? Andre knows how to speak Estonian, and then also why he's so involved into this particular event. There's that. I mean, th- th- again, it's a theory. But I think if that were the case... This, if, th- this brings up a big problem for me and, and logistics, but finish your point real quick. Okay. Um, but I think if that were the case and he somehow time loops himself back in and he, again... Wouldn't he de-age? Like, how does that work? When you when you ter- go around the turnstile and you go back to, to do things in reverse, do you de-age? See, they say in the movie you do not de-age, but Why? you would. Why? Because... You get hurt. No, you no. Get, and, you know, and unhurt... So yeah. why don't you de-age? Why don't you de-age? de-age? You, fire sucks heat from you, so why don't you de-age? On that point, I, I asked the question, what happens when you die? So like, okay, so like you, you go back in time and then you come out of it. Or okay, so that one part where the protagonist fought himself and he had a, uh, a, a shoulder wound, right? Mm-hmm. He just suddenly starts manifesting these wounds, mm-hmm. right? So what happens if you die and you're coming back from the reverse it's, Do you just suddenly drop dead and then kind of reanimate yourself? In the inevitable... In the <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Or, or in since the, breathing... Hold on. Let me get these two no, points. Yeah, no, the I, fire I, and the ice. If those are reversed, your breathing has to be whatever the rules they said, the air. So what if you eat something? Mm-hmm. You were going... Also, backwards. They, they, so, do you not regurgitate the food and it manifests into like a solid piece of like I don't know if you this, ate a hot dog. The breathing is a really good place <laughs> for us to like just kind of zero in and explain ourselves a little bit, which is that like the movie explains the, how the breathing by put they wear ma- oxygen masks, yeah, which I guess have t- oxygen that's also moving backwards in time. Right, it is, is also reversed. So. Your body does a whole bunch of shit. The, yeah, oxygen touching your eyeballs, oxygen touching your skin. They, you're like, it's not that your skin doesn't react to the molecules in the air, like it would, or meaningfully, like, right. like water is absorbed through the skin. Your skin absorbs, absorbs things, yes, and so and it needs to. If you're if you're if your skin didn't absorb water, like if you were in a vacuum with no moisture in the air, you're you would shrivel up. <laughs> like so, and here's my point. The, the point we were making before, which is like, or that I was trying to make before, which is that the movie makes us ask that question by putting the oxygen mask on it. I would mm-hmm. argue if they never brought up breathing in reverse, I wouldn't care. Would have been fine. I wouldn't care. Right. But I do care because you made me think about it. Yes. And you're trying to pretend like you're smarter than you are. So, and that's my point. So if we had like removed that part of the equation, um, the whole forced explanation, and it was some sort of time loop kind of thing, and... Neil was Max. That would have been a tighter story, right? Granted, yes, there are still loopholes like this movie, even with, especially with the explanation, right? So, but going back on that, yeah, I agree. Like, if you're going to be sweating, like everything would be going in reverse because now you are in a world that's in reverse, right? right? So, because the whole thing with entropy is that it's just, you know, it's like the everything is like separating, yeah. So then everything comes back. Right, and then to what degree? I think that's also something you really wanted to touch upon. Like it was something that you brought up with the bullets. Just before we jump onto that, as far as the fan theory and everything goes, I some part of me gets a little upset when people do the work for a film. I agree. When the film, the <laughs> film is is not good. You putting things into it to make it better, don't make it better because they're not in the movie. No, I agree. They're they're not in the like. Because that, that fan theory is like, hey, we talk about all kinds of things that could make a movie better because we're trying to like analyze it. We're not saying it's cool if you think about it this way. Yeah. We're saying this would work better. Yeah. Fan theories like that are saying, hey, this kind of maybe makes it better. And it's like, okay, 
But again, there is nothing in the movie that proves that. There's, there's nothing, nothing intentional. In the, there's nothing that even suggests it in the right, film. Right. Now, if in the sequel, because this movie is set up for a sequel, because they're only halfway through the time pincer. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which is a dumb fucking term. But the term's not so bad. Again, if this were Time Cop, that yeah, term's fine. That's fine. But this isn't. This is a highbrow Christopher Nolan so film. Like quantum um, pincer. What, <laughs> the, the actual thing that I think is dumb about that term is when it's explained for the first time, and he goes, yeah, it's like a pincer attack, but instead of space, it's time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, I mean, But they don't even end up doing that at the they end. They don't. We'll get to that. But yes, my issue when you brought the bullets was, when you think about the way that this... in them going them going through the turnstile as people or items going in the turnstile that itself is fine that kind of makes sense like it mm-hmm. makes enough sense yeah but it starts to fall apart when any one of those things or people interact with the environment that's not moving backwards because if when does it start to materialize that's my when th- yes when does the bullet hole there when is the car rear mirror broken mm-hmm. when is the rubble on the ground when you know because that it would have to either always be there when you're moving in reverse or only be there when acted on, which I think would have been the better way to do this movie. Remember at the beginning yeah, when like he holds his hand over the ball? isolated... And then it just pulls up? Yeah. That would, that would be the more... That would be the... Logical? M- it, would, it would be... Believable? It would, it would fall into fewer issues yeah. while watching mm-hmm. it. Yeah. If, if they just did something <laughs> and it had the, like the inverse action. Yeah. But instead, because it's like, why does his bullet wound appear at that time? Because like, if you think about the scene where they go into the free port and they try to get the painting and then they go back to that scene and that's where it's revealed that the, the masked person they were fighting in the first time they were in that scene is actually himself. It's, it's actually John fighting himself. Right. And so... Why is he shooting himself? Sorry, just a quick that question. Is, that, yeah. is, that does make no sense. Yeah. But why, why when he walks into there is... I guess, yeah. Why? Why is the bullet? Why does he encounter himself where the bullet holes are and not in the hallway? Why? Why is? Why aren't the bullet holes always there? Like, you know what I mean? That was that was my <laughs> biggest problem when Cat um, was taken hostage. Or you know, I understand that Andre was an invert inverted time, right? So all of his being, all of his whatever items he was carrying, is inverted time. So then, how do the cars work in inverted time? Right. So my question is, to what what is the agent that causes it? Right. They they say it's some sort of algorithm. He, he is driving in reverse in that car scene. If you even though it's playing like he's driving forward, the way that he's handling the car and the way the car is moving, you can actually tell subtly he is reversing. Nolan's just not showing us that that way. Why would he be driving in reverse? Because I, that I means don't. to him. He has to set the car in reverse. It's not like just because he's yes. in reverse, he can't set the car and drive and it goes in reverse. Right. Or if he sets it in reverse, he's going to have to still be looking through the rear view, but he's looking forward. Am yes. I right? So that already just collapses on itself. Right. It's, it, that, that's the problem. As soon as, as soon as someone who goes into inverted time starts interacting with the environment, it doesn't make sense. No. It, it, does, it, it, it makes sense that they're in inverted time. It makes sense that they're touching things that are not inverted time. It doesn't make sense how those things work. Because... See, if see if they had done something to where, like, it creates a... Because, you know, with time, it's not exactly, well, you know, the whole... If there becomes some sort of, like, dome, not a dome, but, like, a time displacement field, sure. something like that, where anything would also be working in inverted time in that field, mm-hmm. right? 
So like things have already happened and now they're being reversed in some way. Like I, but that means no one is consciously doing anything in inverted time because again, it is, it is a fantastic idea, but it's not actionable. It works on a surface level when you kind of say it, but when you're actually talking about like, okay, but when I walk up and push this thing, what happens? Right. That's where it's like, it starts to hurt your, it starts to hurt your head in a way that like, because there's no logical way for it to work. It's, right. Yeah, it just goes to the, I mean, just to, to boil it back down to the simple thing of like, okay, an inverted bullet shoots through a window. When is the bolt? When does the bullet materialize where it landed? Where and it where landed. does the hole, mm-hmm. when does the hole appear in the window? And why is it, why is it two hours early? Why isn't it in all of time? Right. Because then... So what if like... So Sorry to add on that. So what if like, let's say uh, the bullet hole does appear there. But what if if you go to the future and like say CSI goes there and they extract the bullet that was already implanted into the wall. But now you're going inverted time and the bullet has to manifest. Am I right? Mm-hmm. It would I mean, have to come out of it. Have to come out of nothing. Yeah. So I'm just adding to your point. That's what yeah. you're saying, right? Because it's one thing when you say, "Oh, I put the bullet down here, and now I'm Jedi mind tricking it up because I I dropped it." Yeah. But that which means is what I she explained, the scientist. But that works because she put the bullet there. Yeah. But when you fired the bullet, that means like the bullet literally just appears out of nowhere in the forward moving time, right? And sucks back into the thing right. because it wasn't being put someone didn't walk up and set it there uh-huh. to be sucked back up into the gun right which is how we are explained to it early which is that if you put it there you can make it move in reverse but we're not making a bullet move in reverse we're 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 manifesting a bullet from nothing and just sucking it back into so like if if they had only stuck with that idea where um she tells him to shoot the the wall there are already bullet holes in the wall right hmm. so i think that concept can only work in very small doses so in the sense of like shooting a gun bullet goes out but you've already shot the gun the bullet can come back right right but then again that can't also make any that doesn't make much sense because let's say you move you're not in the same place the bullet's going to travel back Mm, the version of this movie that makes sense the only version of this movie that makes sense okay here's here's my grand thing for this movie which is that you know whatever cia mission fails you jump on you're, you're told like maybe you, you go to the woman, the arms dealer, who's not really an arms dealer, and she's like, go find this guy. You go, you learn about the turnstile, and whatever the thing is, you got to steal the thing. So you're in the, you're in the, the facility where it's, where it's air sealed or whatever for, for the time inversion. Mm-hmm. And an action sequence plays out. You go through the turnstile and you go back, and then you recontextualize it. But it's all contained in that one that one space. That is my because yes, agreed. then you can go through the action scene where you fire a bunch of bullets one way, and mm-hmm. then when you go through the turnstile, now you can suck them all back up. Right. Because you're literally going over that time that you just affected. You can now like unaffect it. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's because because you're acting in a vacuum. You you that's what it has to be. You did the on positive a scale, and then you can interact with the negative. Mm-hmm. But what the movie has us do is a negative interacting with things that have nothing to do with it. Yeah. And that one one thing that pointed, when I watched it the second time, one thing that stood out to me was, I, I, I'm sorry, they're all wearing masks and shit. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Neil. When he was running through the city that was exploding, which, thousand fucking questions, why, why is there an army there? Like, this guy, I mean, I know that they're private militaries, but 
It's a big fucking private military. Like, it's a fucking Call of Duty level. The final. Oh, the final. Oh, yeah. yeah, I was like, what? Yeah. But anyway. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> when there's a piece of rubble falling and he's running, he runs across it and he kind of like skips over it because it starts getting sucked up into the explosion. Mm-hmm. That's where you like, you think about playing that in, think about playing that in reverse or forward. He can never be on top of that. It doesn't work because once he's on top of it, it either has to have already fallen or it has to crush him. And when it's played in the other direction, mm-hmm. he can't skip over it. You, you know what I'm saying? Like I know what he's, you're saying. he's yeah. occupying that space. He can't occupy above it and it just play in reverse and him jumping over it makes no difference. Like it fell where he was standing if we're to believe he's standing on top of it. Right. When it sucked up. It hits the ground at the time, like his foot hits it. Yeah, which means it fell on top of him. Yeah. Which means what that scene should start is a crushed Robert Pattinson <laughs> unfolds as the rock comes up, mm-hmm. and it, the movie has to do that because a person in inverted time interacting with a world that itself isn't isn't inverted, but also wasn't put in place by him. Right. There is no way to reconcile those two things. Exactly, it's, it's impossible. Because in order for that to happen, they have to operate on a level outside of those rules that they even try to posit right Right. they say it's because it's inverted time you can't you're not just going back in time to do whatever right so that's where i i have some changes like if i were to yeah i mean do we want to jump on that i wanted to that's that's pretty much what i just did oh okay so like in the sense like okay so since the movie title is a palindrome you could even have the movie operate on that same level in fact, it might even be good because what it does, it would recontextualize, which like on like isolated scenes, like when they, the airport scene, we realized that, you know, the John, as you call him, I mean, the protagonist, yeah, the was fighting part. himself. We find out that he's fighting himself, which is great because now we have this other angle that we're seeing. Those scenes that are the exact mirrors of each other are the best parts of this movie. Yeah, exactly. The center, the center hour of this movie is super awesome. Right. And so I think if you had made a movie a little more tighter, but you had like the main event happened in the beginning as well as the end. But the end, obviously, is recontextualized. We are seeing this in inverted time. where, But now it has to apply by the rules of like some sort of, again, not a specialist in this field, but it might have to be a little bit more fantastical. There is a sort of displacement field where everything is happening in reverse, right? So all the explosions that happened, but the people that go in back into like the opera house. Let's say the opera house was the main event in the beginning, and the main event at the end. That's where the movie ends, yeah. Right. That's where the movie should end, yeah. That's where I think it should end. And so as explosions happen, everything's coming back together. But people, the agents, right? We can call them agents because they are acting on their own accord. It doesn't quite fall into the rules of inverted time. But it, but it does in a sense because people cannot, with their own choice, however you want to argue with the whole time thing, they cannot even being inverted in time, right? So no matter what, they will have to operate outside of it, even though everything around in their environment is being inverted. And that's my point. Yeah. Right? So like if there's a a field where they have to go back to the opera house because there was some sort of truth there that they didn't see, and they find out these other people that came and attacked were tenant. It's also a a fundamental problem with the structure of this film, which is that the most excited I was in this film was when they do the turnstile and you realize they're going to go back through scenes they already did. I thought we were going to go back through the entire film, and I was like, that's going to be awesome. And then we 
We, we do it for two scenes and then we stop. We break away. And it's like no, and we go to some war zone. Your your movie's named after a palindrome, and it's all about going back over and recontextualizing and a time pincer. It's sh- in a time pincer. <laughs> the movie itself should have been a fucking time pincer. It's what it should have been exactly. <laughs> so it's, we should have gone through every, maybe not every single scene. Like not, that's not necessary. Like we don't have to talk to Michael Caine again. Right. We didn't have to talk to him in the first place, arguably. Yeah. But agreed. But all of the big set piece scenes. Yeah. So yes, I agree that instead of going to a new third place. We should have gone to that fucking orchestra mm-hmm. playing because and you wouldn't even have to change your dumb plot that much. Hey, that's where the other eight pieces were. Maybe we follow him out to yeah. get the final piece, but we realized the only time he had the other seven together was at that time. Was at that time. So you go back. So you. I mean, so, to be clear, Andre yeah. wasn't there personally as far as I right, know, right. but he could have been But, that, but that's, in a better film. That's where you could have like... Every the original cast already being there and they're in normal time, but now you have the inverted agents in this time displacement, so they can operate within this sort of vacuum. This everything in that bubble is going backwards in time, but the agents that come in are operating while still think while everything is still going back in time. And everything everything that they're dealing with that's inverted was something that they had a part in doing. Doing so, so therefore it, it it's less it's less ridiculous to think that they can then affect it in reverse. Yeah. There might be some trouble there. Well, there's going to uh, be... For my my. Well, here's thinking. the thing. There's going to yeah. be trouble no matter no what. No matter what. Because it's not... This isn't a thing. Yeah. And that's fine. It's not fine. a feasible <laughs> kind of... I just... I like that one idea where the one soldier at the end was standing in a place where the wall was going to reconstruct itself. But no matter what, that person, again, is operating... Because that person wasn't there before. Uh, anyway, so the idea that everything in their environment is now reconstructing going backwards in time. So if they stand in a certain place, they'll get fucked. I don't know how that would happen. Would they, you know, have like their little hands stuck in the concrete and just kind of... Right. Because they can't operate in the same space at the same time. Because here... Because the the cause and effect is what's broken when you operate in reverse. Yeah. And so it's like, are they always fine because they're... But they're not. Do they have free will? When, when operating... You can't. Exactly. When operating in reverse, they have free will. But... So that does mean things like that would happen. That does mean that they would get caught in things and stuff like that. They mm-hmm. wouldn't get killed. You wouldn't get killed because the wall reconstructed in front of you. But you also... But that's kind of what we're... Tr- the, well, like, see, that's where I'm saying the agents, like if they they realized that the opera house was really where everything was at at the same time, like originally, and they go through inverted time. So they're going backwards. But the... See, I don't even know how that would work. They would have to go back somehow. They would have to be in inverted time somehow, and be in that one place where you just you just well that that once you go across the turnstile, you just play the movie backwards because you just live in inverted time for long enough. You're going to make your way back there, right? That's like that's and that's, but they but they the the characters themselves because no matter what, it splits right. That's what I mean. Like okay, so at the end when Neil gets killed, but then also saves them. Because there is the one going backwards in time and forward in time. Right. Right. I think that's how it would have to work. Well, you run into a whole other bag yeah, of fucking I know. shit. Fucking where, hell. Where the fact that I don't know time, how I can save this Every movie. time you go back and... <laughs> if it were me. Every time you go through the turnstile, you're creating a duplicate You're of creating a duplicate. Because what they do is they, they go through the turnstile and then they go... They, they live backwards through time far enough, and they go through another turnstile, so they're moving forward, which means the, there's two of them moving forward now. Right. Mm-hmm. And you can just keep doing you can that just, and just keep replicating yourself yeah. in a way that's... 
that's doesn't unmanageable yeah. at a certain point. Right. Which is why it has to be a closed system. There's no way for them to right. operate on free will on something that's already happened and cause and effect. Right. That, I mean, that's deterministic. And that's what I'm of, saying is that like it all takes place in like that facility where the first turnstile is used on screen. Um, where they try to save Cat yeah. because she was shot with the inverted bullet, and you literally see the room with the mirror—or not mirror, but the glass—the glass. And like, if you had a facility like that where there's this big, you know, there could be a, something before that and something after, or whatever. But right. but the the core of this um, gimmick is used in one single location like that. Yeah. And you like you have like a forty-five minutes leading up to it. You turn around and you have forty-five minutes to the end. Right. But it's all in one place where everything that's being reversed is something that those characters themselves did right. in an environment that no one else is affecting. Right. That's the only way. That's the only way it does. There we go. Because yeah, again, self-contained in a vacuum. Because yeah, you, it's difficult to have any sort of because in the movie also has the problem when it goes to the loops where it's just like like they literally have this whole discussion of fate and stuff like that where like there's nothing you can do to like the loop is the loop like. You couldn't have, the protagonist couldn't have gotten to where he gets at the end of the movie unless he was already where he, like, up, he couldn't have gotten to where he is in the, in the turnstile moment when he starts moving in reverse mm-hmm. unless he had also already done the stuff he did in reverse. So it's just this loop that's unbreakable, which makes certain logic of this movie also break, which, like, when, when Neil says, I couldn't have told you that this is what was happening because you might have acted differently. Well, what would it matter? Because it's unbreakable. It's, already, it's yeah. an unbreakable loop. Like, it, it is. It just does not work. Right. In order for him to have done it in the first place, in order for him to be in reverse, he had to have done what he did, mm-hmm. which means telling him wouldn't change anything or can't because if it, if it's it could... All- then it then it couldn't have already happened in the future because we know it already happened because he's moving he was already moving in reverse. <laughs> so telling him before he goes before the airplane crashes mm-hmm. into that building, telling him, hey, by the way, you're in there and you're gonna go that wouldn't change anything because he is in fact in there in the future. And so in order for him to in fact be there, there is not that that would mean you have to believe in a philosophy that says no matter what you do or say, right. this will happen. Because he's factually there. Yeah. That's that was the question that I had when uh when Cat was about to get shot. But I do remember that they did mention that if they don't find a turnstile, that they will progressively continue in that manner. Like there's no way for them to get out. Yes. So there is at least some sort of parameter for that. And that's what it is. I think that's what it lacks where it should have those parameters. I think this whole inverted time thing would be great for a storytelling aspect. Um, do you remember that game we played? I think it was called Talos. Tacoma. Tacoma. That's what it was. And because the thing is, you can, I mean, it's not inverted time, but you can reverse things, right? You can watch a complex, like, sort of virtual reality reconstruction of things that happened before you got there. Right. But you can plus press play, pause, for, fast forward, rewind, and sort of you're watching people play out this event, but you as an independent agent can walk through through the different video angles. playing yep. and like kind of see what someone says behind this wall or behind that. You can follow them and rewind them and like right. go to different places while simultaneous things are happening here. I think if it went with that angle in some form, that would be cool. But I think that's really only... It's better suited for an interactive medium. This is, I mean, this is just a gimmick that... That is a pretty cool gimmick, but was just overblown by the like that it this isn't the story you tell with this gimmick. Right. There there 
there is a story you can, there is a movie you can make. It's not this one. Right. Their final plan is said to be a pincer attack on the the abandoned city. And it is not a pincer attack. We are explained what a pincer attack is. Specifically, they do in do these examples. words, which is that you go into an event, you turn around and go back through it knowing everything that happened. That is not what happens at the end of this film, even though that's what they say they're doing. There are two teams going in, one in one inverted and one in regular time. They both don't know what's going to happen, and they just move in their own forward motion. Right. There is no middle. Like, a pincer attack is forward, turnstile, back through it. Yep. And then, I guess, kind of correct your mistakes or, like, play the other side. That's not what happened. Like, that is kind of what Neil does. That's what Seder did. But Neil does that by mistake. That is what what Seder did. That is what he did. That is a very good example of what the time pincer is. Yeah. I mean, based on their own explanation is my point. Right. But what they do at the end of the movie... It's I don't not, know yeah. why would they It's just it's just two teams of people going in more or less blind mm-hmm. and one human being goes through a turnstile a couple times like more than once. Yeah. <laughs> like really Robert Pattinson's out there like really carrying the heavyweights just like constantly going through the turnstile fixing everything that everyone does right. over and over again through that scene. He's like fry when he yeah. drinks too much coffee. <laughs> and I think going going back to how this movie thinks it's way smart too is like all of the reveals in this film I think are are just the movie is so cartoonish in its plotting yeah. that that none of them are surprising mm-hmm. that that I mean we were sit, we watched the movie together the first time and we called it out every time yeah. like oh when when you realize the the protagonist is going to go through the pincer oh i know he was fighting himself wasn't he yep. and we said that that's exactly what's going to happen mm-hmm. uh, we know that we know that cat's the one that jumps off the boat like as soon as as soon as she's like oh we're going to go to vietnam oh she was the one who jumped off the boat you know yep. but like christopher nolan shoots these scenes like reveals yep. and or at the end when when he's like who hired when uh, the protagonist like, tells asks neil who hired you literally said the line out loud before Robert Pattinson did. You did. It's like, these are, these are a, a writer being very proud of themselves for something that I swear to God, like, are, are again, they're Saturday morning cartoon plot points. Like, yeah. they are, the they thing, are, they are cool twists. That, just, they're not really twists. They're like, they're like, cool, like, capital K cool. <laughs> like, they're like, <laughs> look how, Look how neat I am at like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Right. But it's like, actually, your movies, your really complicated movie is hella fucking predictable. Yeah. I mean, using those aspects are fine. I think the trick, the rub is using it appropriately. Those are, those are all totally fine. There's nothing wrong with any of those plot points. My problem is, again, Christopher Nolan dressing them up as some kind of high concept art. Yeah. And like, like he was smarter than the audience, but I would argue he's not. That those aren't the things that are surprising or confusing about the film. The mm-hmm. things that are confusing about the film are Christopher Nolan's own bullshit bogged down plot. It's all of that stuff with the painting and like leading up to it and like we have to jump around from all these different cities. For some reason, every time we're not in an action sequence, we have to be in a different country that we've never been in before. Like why? It serves no purpose. Like he he unnecessarily makes this plot confusing and it's not the time travel shit. It's it's just these characters and why they're where they are. Because he needed it to be a Bond film also, or a Mission Impossible film on top of... It's, it is a silly action movie, and that's it's, how it should play. It's very inefficient, because essentially where they do give reason as to why they're in these locations, but you know, before you actually craft your story, there are ways to where you can stack certain 
qualities or elements. Like as we were just talking about, Michael Caine did not need to be there. We could have just had Priya jump mm-hmm. us to these certain points, explain the the point of the painting, the clothing, right? He did not need to go. And and it hurts the movie in other ways, other like it, it because that beginning moves like it moves quickly. It goes on too long, but it moves but quickly. Almost like, nothing happens. Is right, the case. exactly. Whereas, what if we use that real estate to develop the characters better? Because that the pacing of the beginning of the movie is super weird. It's like no, no dramatic moment has time to breathe. Like right. when when Cat's in that that I almost called it a diner because that's what you call it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I kept calling it in that restaurant, restaurant meeting yeah. meeting the protagonist. Mm-hmm. And she launches into that story about Andre and her son, and she's like almost crying. Like your feeling is like, how did we take such a dramatic tonal jump? Yeah. Because, because this movie has to move really fast because he made it unnecessarily complicated. And they're just talking at the speed of light, explaining Wait. things. Uh, just what if instead of the Michael Caine scene, that scene were twice as long, and we organically got to know these two characters better, built a rapport between them, and it ended with them having a connection? Yeah. Instead, the mo- instead of that character building work, what he does is, I need painting. My husband sucks. I have a son. He's gonna kill you. Bye. And th- that's how the every scene in the first half of this movie operates like that. It is. Inconsequential consequences. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Because, yeah. like, okay, let's, for example, so he gets, he fails that test, or he doesn't fail the test. He gets his teeth ripped out, but he gets his mouth reconstructed, right? Right. But it doesn't serve any purpose. These things are all just, they plant something and pay off something that has no, like, it doesn't have a larger effect. Planting payoff is usually something you're referring to, like, here's a subtle thing, and it's going to come back around as the story comes to a head. Right. But he's literally doing it, plant, throwback. 30 seconds later, paid off. That's not a plant payoff. That's unnecessary information. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, a plant payoff is something that permeates through the story and comes back. Uh-huh. But these, these examples are things that are literally 30 seconds later are quote-unquote paid off. So it's just like, I did this. Here's the solution to it. I'm done now. Let's yep. move on. Here, I did this. Here's the solution to it. I'm done now. Move on. There is no overriding thing except for he wants to destroy the world. I want to save the world. Yep. That's it. Yep. It should embrace the fact that it's just a fun concept. But then that would not be a Nolan movie. I mean, he does great stuff. He does. I think that he probably ran into some issues with resolving his own concept. Inverted things interacting with non-inverted things is a difficult thing to resolve. But when you are in the in the middle of writing that screenplay and you spend two years or however long being like, I can't figure it out, you don't just say, fuck it, I'll release it anyway. You, <laughs> you right. either stop or you change it. Because <laughs> the thing... Yeah, because no matter what, if it goes from A to B, I'm going to try to make this as concise as possible. If it goes from A to B, like let's say... Two characters fighting. There's a bullet that was shot previously in whatever time. And it's in a wall, right? So these characters are fighting, so we can't anticipate it. No matter what, that's always going to be there. That means if B goes to A, A has to be there in some way. But that's not always what happens. We can't go through it all I again. can't go to it again. I can't. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Character Arc Podcast. Yeah, thank um, you. Uh, you can find us at characterarc.net. You can find us on Instagram at characterarc. And you can find us on Twitter at characterarc. I'm Richard Bertelson. And I'm Ted Hong. Thank you so much. Thank you.
I'm the protagonist. No, I'm the protagonist. The whole time we've been working. I, I ran into two antagonists. <laughs>